You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. That only seems to happen on Twitter when it's the Riders because their fan base sucks. <laughs> Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Cura. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, and we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm Travis Cura. Brazilian Ty is here with me today. I open up the uh, group chat today, and Ty hits everybody with the fact that he had been fired. And, dude, like inside, I'm like, yeah, I don't have to wake up at six in the morning to record shows anymore. But on the outside, I was trying to. Find uh, ways to be a good friend. What happened? You you were more upset that you were going to lose the bankroll of the podcast. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but you were only fired virtually. <laughs> yeah. So I my second year of my Madden franchise, I made promises that uh, were a little too big for my britches and uh, did not make it to the Super Bowl and was let go. And I didn't want to restart with another franchise because I had all my draft picks and everything lined up for the Steelers. And so I just quit and restarted. I got to say, you sold that well, man. And it got it got exactly the person who I knew would take the bait. <laughs> that, that was a really good one. Man, I got to say, we're on completely opposite schedules. Like, you're basically in your pajamas. And I, uh, I just I've been poured in my a cup pajamas of... all day. Oh, and I, I just poured a cup of coffee. So yeah. here we go. <laughs> this episode of Two and Out is brought to you by Todd Hirsch, ATB Financial's Vice President and Chief Economist. The Future of Podcast has launched its second season by connecting with industry leaders to uncover what's on the horizon for the things that mean the most to you the future of podcast promises to give you insights to help navigate what is often an uncertain future explore how our economy and communities can not only brace for change but embrace the opportunity it creates subscribe to the future of in the apple store google play spotify and everywhere podcasts are found and connect with us at atb.com slash the future of All right, I, I guess we got to say week nine continued because it officially started on Tuesday with uh, the mm-hmm. Red Blacks beating the Elks, but the Winnipeg Blue Bombers stomped the BC Lions 30-9. to It continues to just be the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and everybody else, Ty. Yeah, and I, I said this in week two or three. I texted you and said, just give them the Grey Cup now. They're going undefeated, and then they lost. Um but they're just the way they played against BC, especially. I mean, who saw Zach Claro start throwing for over 400 yards? Um, you know, I don't think anybody had that on their bingo card. Their defense no. has shut down everybody, it seems. Uh, you know, and they're, they're, the passing game is 
probably better than it was last year. The the ground game is is about the same. Uh, even a little bit of a regression, it doesn't seem to affect them that much. Probably better than last year. I think that was the most passing yards by a bomber quarterback since probably 2007. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Zach Caleros, 28 of 33 for 417 yards and two touchdowns. Was this not them just going out there and saying, hey, I'm the guy you should be talking about in the MOP conversation. And Ty, I know as much as it pains you to say, it's it over. Just... <laughs> and I was actually thinking about this. There have been many times, and Bomber fans will tell you, where one injury, something like that, will derail their chances at a, at a championship. It, it did happen in 2007. Kevin, when Ke- Kevin yeah. Glenn. I'm not certain that one injury would derail this team, though. I, 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 the only injury that would worry me right now would be Zach Kalaros. Yeah, I know they would have to go to an inexperienced quarterback, but with uh, Andrew Harris back there and all the talent they have on defense, mm-hmm. I, I still kind of feel like they could even manage then. I, I, I think, yeah, I think they would. I, th- I, I think that they would be able to manage. Uh, I, I don't think they would be anything close to the juggernaut they are right now. Obviously, I think that the spreads would be, you know, those two, three point spreads. You wouldn't see a lot of a lot of runaways and, and boat races like they have had this year. Of course, if an injury happens, you don't want it to happen the game before the Grey Cup. So you can. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, now, of course, now, if an injury does happen, uh, we're going to be blamed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I'm fully prepared for that. Uh, yeah. The the Bombers, they dominated the Lions in every single part of the game, except for one, which is uh, the turnover battle. The, the Lions actually won the turnover battle, which is kind of phenomenal judging by the score. <laughs> yeah. It, it didn't affect Winnipeg one bit. One... I know that Andrew Harris got 14 carries in this one, but it appeared that his back was bothering him. It almost felt like they were giving Kalaros all those pass attempts also to kind of give Harris a bit of a break because the, the way the score was, you'd, you'd think he would have got 20, 24 carries or something like that. Yeah. No, and, and I mean, you obviously have to make your adjustments uh, as the game goes on and, you know, wanting to kind of spell Andrew Harris, especially after that drive. And I believe it was the second quarter when he came off. Um, but I mean, you have Brady Oliveira and Johnny Augustine in the lineup. Yeah. I don't know why you're not giving them the rock, but uh, it, it worked. I mean, Zach Claros threw five incompletions. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it's not like, uh, you know, the clock was getting stopped after every play because they were throwing incompletions. So, you know, and that it's just their off their offense right now. It, it's ridiculous. Uh, it it sucks that the Riders couldn't have this Zach Kalaros for the two plays that he played for the Riders. <laughs> uh, but I think we're we're starting to see that return to form of what he was in Hamilton. Yeah, it's it's it goes without saying that way. Like he he evades tacklers. He 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 connects on the deep ball. I mean. Kenny Lawler, 12 catches on 14 targets. Long live the king. For 205 yards and a touchdown. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. 
that's a that's a ridiculous night. It is. It's the night of the year, man. And let's be honest, his touchdown shouldn't have been a touchdown. Like you pick on a rookie corner that obviously had no idea what he was doing and just let Lawler get between him and the ball. Like, no, this isn't hockey. You're not trying to box him out in front of the net. You need to you need to be in better position than that. Uh, and, yeah, him going up for a jump ball, he's such a big body. Like, There's no way the DB was winning that one. If you look at the BC Lions run game, it what, is... How, what run game? That's true. And, and I know that they were against the Bombers defense that, quite frankly, has... Probably the strongest front in the CFL. I, I know the the Tiger Cats have a good mm-hmm. defensive line. They have a good defense themselves. But uh, running against this Bombers team with Mr. Richardson making his return on the defensive line, mm-hmm. he had an instant impact there, Stephen Richardson did. He even had a had a sack himself. He had a forced fumble. Yeah. Like he was <laughs> he was tough to stop in the middle of the defense, but Shaq Cooper, one carry for minus three yards. James Butler, no, two carries for minus three yards. That's actually yeah. worse. Uh James Butler <laughs> two carries for five yards. The leading rusher, Michael Riley, one carry for nine yards on the BC Lions. Their running backs had two yards. Wow. And like we talk about Hamilton and their lack of a run game, and we're just totally ignoring the fact that BC can't run the football. Hamilton won't. BC can't. Yeah, there's a difference there. <laughs> and Maybe if they gave Butler and Cooper more than two carries, something would change. That's the thing. I mean – that that's the other thing. They're 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 not willing to run the ball either. But when they do, it's it's not even worth it. BC is going on by here, and that's going to be one of the things that they're going to have to have to figure out here because this season there's more cold games than there has been with uh, the season mm-hmm. going all the way through November. You you need a you need a run game and. That doesn't discount the fact here that Lucky Whitehead ended up leaving the game. Looked like maybe they're fearing a broken wrist there, and that that changed the BC offense for the rest yeah. of the night. Yeah, it takes away like they're they're basically their game breaker. I mean, yeah, Burnham has seven catches on ten targets for eighty two yards, but he's not he's not the speedster that Lucky Whitehead is. You know, it it's it's it totally has to. Your your offensive game plan has to completely change when you lose a guy like like Lucky Whitehead. You're not just going to be able to replace him. Uh, and I'll, also, the other part of that that sucks is that his his family comes comes up for the to watch him play for the first time, and <laughs> yeah, he lasts yeah. a quarter. Yeah, and he ends up coming back out for the second half, but Riley didn't even look his yeah. way. It was just a decoy situation, but. With the Winnipeg defense, that that didn't matter, and you yeah. you see the difference between the Winnipeg defense and even the Ryder defense because they tried a very similar play. The one that got a forty-four yard touchdown from Lucky Whitehead, the Bombers <laughs> they swarmed to the ball, and it, it ended up being like a three-yard gain. They're just mm-hmm. on another level than anybody else, and 
and, and you know, I feel like for Winnipeg, th- there would be more pressure on them if they didn't have a loss in their record. It, it feels yeah. like the more you're undefeated, the longer the season goes on, then that that goose egg is staring at you and there's pressure. They got that one loss out, out of the way. way. It doesn't matter now. <laughs> dude, dude, I'm a Steelers fan. Last year was the worst 11-0 and team I'd ever seen. <laughs> That was a remarkable run. <laughs> shouldn't have happened, it was, but it did. <laughs> no, God, no, it shouldn't have happened. And then, yeah, oh, 11 and 5. Oh, weird. And then losing the wild card. <laughs> but no, like, yeah, uh, I think the other thing that also helps is that they won the Great Cup in 2019, yeah. right? Like that, that's no longer hanging over their heads either. Right. I know none of these players have anything to do with that, but the fan base and, and the media and all that stuff are still going to be bringing it up. They've won the great cup. They've got their loss out of the way. Now they're not that uh, pressure of a perfect season. Isn't hanging over them. Uh, it's just, now they're just playing loose and fast and their defense is fast. It's physical. Uh, they rally to the football. It's just, yeah. And their defensive line can like, they don't need to, to blitz when you have, you know, Richardson, Jeff Coat, and Jefferson to to put pressure on the quarterback. You don't need to send those extra guys. Uh, and that just, you know, leaves a secondary more guys in coverage. It was just not too long ago when, you know, fans were calling for Richie Hall's head. And mm-hmm. now you get guys, like, they have rookies in the secondary. Even a guy like Mike Jones. There's a guy like, uh, well, Brandon Alexander, quite frankly, might yeah. be a guy that doesn't get talked about enough on the Winnipeg defense, which has Willie Jefferson, Jackson Jeffcoat, Adam Big Hill. Brandon, Brandon Alexander is a punishing defender. Mm-hmm. He did take Lucky Whitehead out of the game. You don't like to see that, but that guy makes plays. Yeah. Well, and, and they talked about it on the panel. When they moved him to, to safety, it totally changed the look of that defense and the yeah. way they played. And it made them better, which, I mean, they were already pretty good before that. Uh, so it shows you just the impact that certain guys can have in certain positions. Like, and yeah, he is the one that took out Lucky Whitehead out of the game. But I mean, clean hit. There's nothing wrong with that. No, no. Um, you know, and that's just that's just the cost of doing business. And let's be honest, Richie Hall is not the coordinator in the CFL that should be on the hot seat. <laughs> hey, uh, do I do I think we're going to get to that in the last game of the week? <laughs> oh. Oh, I think we might. <laughs> I know people are looking forward to your Elks and Red Blacks rants, but I'm here for the Jason Moss rants. I am totally Man, here for them. You don't get enough of those in our group chat? <laughs> and that's uncensored tie. Two and yeah. out is dialed back tie. <laughs> I, also, I also yelled at the TV a lot today. I turned off football today and I watched the Jays get screwed. Uh, I had a few choice words for the <laughs> Orioles every time the, the Jays hit a home run today. So I was pretty fired up. It's a good thing that we're recording this late. <laughs> okay. Saturday at a doubleheader. Owls and Tiger Cats. Oh, baby. 23-20. The Montreal Alouettes beat the Hamilton Tiger Cats in overtime. Here's the deal. It's the Ticats offense that lost this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I have no reason to argue that. Wow. They, they, that Hamilton team was given every opportunity mm-hmm. they had. Vernon Adams threw two interceptions. They, the, the Hamilton offense put the ball on the carpet, including in overtime. 
I mean, <laughs> what a rough performance by them. And Braylon Addison comes back. Clearly, he's the best receiver on the team. Brandon Banks continues yeah. to be invisible, man. Yeah, I mean, four or five for 15 yards. I mean, the guy, nobody's talking about him. He's not making explosive plays. It's like the league has kind of figured him out. They've they've got the coverage over the top. They're they're eliminating him from game plans uh, or offensive game plans with with the way they're playing against him. It, it's it's unreal. Is there an MOP curse? Is there a TSN top fifty players curse here? Like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. I don't know what's going yeah. on there. But but for Montreal. Just a team that shows resiliency and fight. Vernon mm-hmm. Adams, 17 of 26, 209 yards. Those don't really jump off the page to you. Two interceptions, two touchdowns. But when you see that he left the game in the first half with a hurt ankle, and then yeah. uh, they must have injected something into that ankle into in, in, during halftime because after the half, He's uh, juking and jiving all over the place with an ankle he probably can't feel. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, yeah, th- probably didn't. I bet you it's not feeling that great today. Um, Good point, <laughs> right? He's probably like, but I mean, yeah, they got Schiltz in the backup position, but I mean, this offense is built around Vernon Adams and his mobility, and you know, William Stanback pounding the rock, and, and them having those wide receiver options that Vernon Adams finds because he's able to scramble and, and extend plays and Schultz doesn't bring that like Vernon Adams does. So yeah, you get shot up. Who knows what they gave him? I don't think it's the same stuff that Andrew Harris is shooting up. Uh, you know, it's just, an, just something to, to numb the pain and dull the pain and, and get him back out there. And, and it was a good thing. Cause I don't know if they win this game with Schultz at the helm. I don't know if you caught it, but there was a moment in the game. I think it was at the end of the first half, offensive uh, assistant coach, uh, Andre Boldu, stepped on Vernon Adams' injured foot. Oh, my God. (laughs) And the camera caught it right at the perfect time. The poor guy looked like he was just going to cry. And then uh, they were still able to fix that at halftime. But that's a pretty funny moment that the cameras ended up catching there. How how about some situational awareness on the sidelines? (laughs) Uh, This was actually Orlando Steinauer's first loss at Tim Hortons Field. Um, the Ticats actually went on a nice little streak to open Tim Hortons Field in 2014-2015 there. They won 10 in a row. Any guesses who ended that streak, Ty? Uh, Montreal. Yes. Yes. <laughs> for some I, reason. I, I was worried this was a trick question. Yeah, but For some reason, they are uh, they're the street killers for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And this East Division is just... A mess. The Argos four and three. Hamilton four and four. Montreal three and four now. Yeah, nobody's nobody wants. It's like nobody wants to win it. <laughs> yeah. It's like no, you take it. No, you take it. No, you love them more. No, you love them more. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> now, this game got really interesting at the end. So, the Ticats have a 17-3 lead for the longest time. And that was almost the only thing that the Ticats did in the second half. They had a big play to Stephen Dunbar. Sean Thomas Erlington scores a touchdown. 
on a play where he fumbled the ball into the end zone, thankfully recovered mm-hmm. his own fumble. The Owls fight all the way back, and that go-ahead touchdown at the end of the game was honestly just Vernon Adams' magic. They, they, yeah. they convert a third and four. Then they get into a third and 20 situation, and it ends up <laughs> with a Eugene Lewis touchdown. Where did he come from? I don't know. I that don't was ridiculous. <laughs> he appeared out of nowhere. <laughs> well, then the Ticats suddenly moved the ball. And all night long, that didn't look like it was going to be field goal range. 55 yards no. into the wind. Yeah, that's a boot. And Taylor Bertolette, who had a miss from 45 yards earlier into the game, barely clears the crossbars and sends the game into overtime. Sean Thomas Erlington. It was more of a... The the, the Owls defense was in the backfield like at the handoff. So they never Mm -hmm. really got to have a clean handoff there. The ball ends up on the ground. Alouettes kick the field goal and win 23-20 in overtime, keeping their home playoff hopes alive here. But, man, the the Ticats defense did their job, and like I said earlier, that offense needs to figure things out here. And, I mean, if, if, if they're able to move the ball, it seems like there's a touchdown to bring it back, like there was a long Tim White touchdown penalty uh, ends up wiping that off the board there's a lot of things that offense needs to figure out and they were quite hyped coming into this season after a very potent 2019 I think a lot of it has to do with they have started three different quarterbacks uh, and not for any considerable length of time for either for any one of them Uh, it's not ideal especially when you have a guy like David Wofford that doesn't play like the other two, uh, doesn't quite, you know, stretch the field like Dane Evans and Jeremiah Masoli can. Uh, so, I mean, if, if Masoli, if, if they go with Masoli from now on and, you know, he's able to get back in sync, like, I mean, it's been a while uh, since he's been part of this offense. Uh, you know, just the constant change at quarterback probably isn't helping. Uh, Braylon Addison being back probably is, is one of the best additions that we that we're going to see this year for, uh, for anybody, uh, I mean, and it's not it's not like they had to give anything up to get him. So that's kind of a coming influence, and in, and in the way that Brandon Banks has been playing, or maybe it's the way he's getting covered. I don't know, but yeah, they need something to spark this offense because yeah, if you're only scoring twenty points, it's going to be really tough to win in this league. Sean Thomas Erlington was the leading rusher on the Tie Cats with twenty six yards. Braylon Addison. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't the leading receiver. He had 73 yards on seven catches, though, so clearly they're happy to have yeah. him back. As for Montreal's offense, Eugene Lewis, 82 yards, including some big catches that they yep. needed. Uh, touchdown, Jake, another one, four catches and 71 yards. In my lineup. Nice, nice. But Quan Bray, the leading receiver on the Alouettes, <laughs> three catches, 89 yards. I know we went through some stuff in the – the, the pandemic caused extended offseason, but he's getting back into the offense. He's had some big plays over the last couple of weeks. Maybe he's going to be an underrated guy the le- rest of the way here. Well, and teams are going to 
start, if they haven't already, keying in on Winnicky and Lewis. I mean, you have yeah. to at some point. Uh, they're just destroying teams with, like, in the, especially, you know, inside the 30. I don't want to call it the red zone because, like, a lot of their, like, Winnicky's long was a 30, right? So, um, but, like, the way that this offense is running through the receiving core, like, like you said, Bray was the leading receiver at 89. Winnicky had 71. Eugene Lewis at 82. And then Cunningham with 44. Standback getting more involved in the passing game. Now it seems like Vernon Adams has found some more trust in him. Uh, but Eugene Lewis was the leading uh, receiver catch-wise. He only had six. And then, like, Cunningham with three. Winnicky with four. Quambray with three. Standback had four. Like, they're spreading the ball out. So it's, it's really hard for teams to key on one guy, too. So... You know, if they can keep that up and stand back and keep the ground game going and they can establish a run game and keep Vernon Adams upright by establishing that run game because teams are going to have to respect the run a little more and can't just pass blitz, uh, they can do some damage for sure. All right. Second half of the Saturday doubleheader started late. Ugh. <laughs> okay, that too. I got to rant about that. I got to be honest. I've never seen that happen, man. I, I don't know why they would. Are you really worried about missing a meaningless opening kickoff? People were legit upset on Twitter that they might miss the start of that game. It's like, shut up and block, obviously. But like but they, they had live programming on their other channels, didn't they? Yeah. And, and some of them are regionals. So right. what, do, what do you expect them to do? And honestly, what, you you want them to go away from an overtime game to get you to to an opening kickoff of a game in week nine? Get out of here with that! That's that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I actually just kind of thought they should have just started the game, but <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, start the game. Who cares? Pick it up in progress. You're going to miss what? Maybe a touchdown on an opening drive. Like, why, why does it matter? It's the beginning of a game. If you cut away from the end of a game, then, then we're going to have issues. Unless it's yeah, a boat you, race, but... Right, right. Yeah, that was a strange situation, but, man. But again, but again, that only seems to happen on Twitter when it's the riders because their fan base sucks. <laughs> the Calgary Stampeders win 23-17. <laughs> Ty, it's not often where I say the game was won in the first quarter, but it was the Stampeders 14-0 very quickly into this game. And it's one thing for the first drive to go the way it did, but again, the Stampeders have a secret receiver hiding on their practice roster in Sean Bain who has mm-hmm. a 32-yard touchdown in his first CFL game. Congratulations to him. I mean, he had two catches for 56 yards in his CFL debut. That's pretty good. But on the next drive, when the Riders have a third and short situation and they decide to go for a long bomb, it would have been a 65-yard <laughs> touchdown to Kyron Moore. Overthrows him. Stampeders take over with good field position, and then it's fourteen nothing. Oh, is this where I can go, or are we going to do the whole game so I can? I'm going to let you. I'm just going to let you go here because from what I see (laughs) here, there's a couple situations 
where the riders like to do their one-yard pass or lateral pass. When they need 10. But when they need two, they're thrown for 45. Yeah. And it makes no sense. Oh, it does make it does make sense because teams aren't going to be thinking that they're going to do that. This happened on the final drive of the game as well, where it's oh. second and two. Fajardo drops back deep, gets sacked. All of a sudden, it's third and 11. Then they're throwing for 50 again, get picked off, game yep. over. Yep. So why not on the second and... Why not on the second and two when your running back, William Powell, is getting six yards a carry? Yep. You do that or one of your stupid little dump-off passes. Yeah, there's the time for that little screen pass. Yeah, exactly. Right, or, or William Powell, even if he gets stopped at, like, you know, you can, he's probably still going to get a yard or two. He's probably not going to get a six. But I, I get on, on second and short, you know, throwing a deep ball. Yeah, like it's second yeah. and one because because you can still go for it on third down and teams probably aren't expecting you to stretch the field. Okay, but on third down, you need a high percentage play if you're going to convert. I'm sorry, but you do. There, there's just no two ways about it. Um, and that last, that last, not even drive, just the last play call was an absolute joke. Like if you're Jason Moss and you seen you saw Cody Fajardo how quick he ran off that field, and I even tweeted it. I'm like, I hope he's hiding behind the door, getting ready to sucker Jason Moss because he deserves it. Um, you drop back on that second down. Now it's third and eleven, and you could even if you read Jason Moss' lips, he said you're going to have to throw it up. He didn't give him any other options. The two guys on the outside are running, uh, you know, basically clearing routes or running streaks. And the guys underneath are running 15-yard crossers where every defender is sitting in their zone. He Fajardo did not have an option other than where he went because Jason Moss didn't give him one. Like, there was no reason to throw that ball there when you could have ran 40 different plays that could have gained you 11 yards. It's an absolute joke. I said in week two he should be fired. This just cements it. There's no reason why he should still be employed in this league. It's an absolute joke, and I'm done. I'm done with him. I texted Andrew and said, take him back. He said, well, he might actually do better. We've lost to Ottawa twice, and I don't think he would. I think I'd take those two losses to Ottawa if I'm Edmonton, as long as it means I don't got to have Jason Moss on my coaching staff. Like, pull your head out of your ass. It barely fits in there with your <laughs> ears. Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> it's very predictable. Clearly, the stamps knew. Uh, maybe Weird. From, maybe from his time in uh, in Edmonton, because there were what three DBs on Ricardo Lewis. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Just Jonathan like, Moxie ceiling. How do you there. how do you not have anybody underneath? coverage yeah nobody they showed they showed the camera from behind the line of scrimmage and yeah that was the only option cody had and it was like a terrible option but he has no other options but to throw that ball it's not cody Vajardo's fault yeah he probably could have audibled out of it and whatever but yeah it, it's clear that moss doesn't know what he's doing can't run an offense uh it's yeah, they. He, I don't know who would who you'd bring in, or if there's somebody on the staff that can do it. But at this point, I I feel like I could do a better job. And actually, headphones could fit over my ears, so. <laughs> and I'm not a mouth breather. 
<laughs> Might have the same temper, though. <laughs> Maybe worse. Uh, this well, that's fair. <laughs> hey, at least I'm not. At least I'm not a Brewers pitcher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this uh, this game really never should have got to that point. Um, no. You really thought that the Stamps, or at least I felt that way in the stands, that they were going to put the Riders away. They mm-hmm. never could. They never quite could. And oh. and I know Cody Fajardo's numbers aren't pretty, 25 of 44, 269 and an interception. But, nice. But he, he, there was a lot of situations where the pressure was on top of him, and Calgary wasn't mm-hmm. even blitzing. They were just all over him, and yep. he was able to escape a lot of situations and extend that, the play. That's another issue with this team. Is their offensive line? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and there was a lot of catchable balls that were put on the ground mm-hmm. by rider receivers too. Yeah, that does not help either. Uh, yeah, it just it seemed like for the first I don't know forty minutes of this game that Saskatchewan couldn't do anything right. They get that William Powell touchdown. We had a game. Yeah, uh, you know, the, yeah, John Ryan with his punt single, woohoo! Let's all cheer for that. Um, still a terrible human being, but. <laughs> You know, the, the the Stamps never finished them off. They didn't, you know, put... They had their foot on their throat and couldn't score that touchdown to put it out of reach. And they let the Riders hang around long enough uh, where, you know, William Powell, 66 yards on 11 carries, but not super, like, not overused by any means. I mean, he only had 16 touches. But, uh, you know, the Stamps still have a chance to put this game away and have to settle for a pair his field goal and not just left the door open for the Riders. Uh, you know, Lowther gets it to within a touchdown. I don't, I don't, I, I have no issue with that call. I think you got to take the points there. And then, you know, three onside kicks, which all three are recovered. Jay Cardi has to be better in that situation. He has to be smarter than that. Um, but, you know, yeah, that game should never have got to where the last play of the game was that. Well, I guess not, not the last play of the game, but the deciding play of the game. The, the, it should have been over well before. That was another, uh, I, I thought, crucial moment of the game where there was a 45-yard field goal missed by Rene Paredes, and uh, the Riders had clearly mm-hmm. called a return out of the end zone, but the, the problem was is Morrow was like 19 yards deep in the end yeah. zone. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I think you take. I think you got to take the, the, the point there and, and get better field position. And at that but. point, I know they would have been down uh, 12 instead of, you know, uh, the 11 that it was, yeah. but I mean, uh, he returns it 20 yards and it ends up only being five yards out of the end zone. That's not, that's not, not ideal. pretty. No, <laughs> there were other couple big plays that Calgary just made when uh, mm-hmm. they, they had to make them late in the game. John Ryan has a set. Well, did he have a 70 yard punt? He did. He outkicked his coverage. I don't I don't know what guys are supposed to do on that. And then uh, there ends up being was that the 37-yard return from Sean Bain in his first yeah. CFL game? So then all of the progress on that punt was erased. That was another crucial moment yeah. in this game. Well, I, you know, it's like it's like that old commercial with with Smoltz and Glavin, chicks dig the long ball. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. 77-yard punts are great. If your cover team can get down there, but when your cover team is 30 yards away, yeah, you're just letting that guy ramp up and the blockers get in position. Like, yeah, it, it's not ideal. Uh, 
if you could kick it out of bounds, that, yeah, that's fine. If you can do a 770-yard kick that goes out at the 10, great. Uh, but, I mean, if, it, if it's returnable, you're just asking for trouble. And I guess that's got to be pointed out. Calgary's special teams, and in particular mm-hmm. their cover team, is dynamite. Danny Austin of the Calgary Sun pointing out that Brandon Dozier, who really has cemented himself on the Calgary defense with Jamar Wall's absence, he's the only player in the CFL to have a special teams tackle in every game this season. And by the way, Jamar Wall... Are you sure it's not Mike Miller? Because apparently (laughs) he's the greatest special teams player of all time. (laughs) And speaking of Jamar Wall, he comes back. He's playing safety because Royce Mechie is out Mm -hmm. for the year. And that secondary, I thought, looked great. Yep. It didn't look like they were missing anything. No. Now, granted, with no Shaq Evans, that's a game changer for for that Riders offense pass game-wise. But still, uh, there's still guys in that core that can... That can make plays when you got Kyron Moore and, and Keon Schaefer Baker starting to show that he can do it. Uh, but yeah, that 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 secondary doesn't look like it's missing a beat. Yeah, that seventy-one yard catch from Schaefer Baker <laughs> to yeah. bring bring the Riders down for that Powell touchdown in the fourth was was something else. That that was awesome to watch. But I, I guess we got to talk about that onside kick situation because yeah, the Riders recover one. Jake Hardy takes the interference penalty. And mm-hmm. then I guess Calgary called a timeout on the second one. So they're freezing riders, the kicker. Yeah. Riders did get the ball back, but uh, the, the Calgary return team didn't really uh, do anything on it. Doesn't um, matter. Doesn't matter. They, they recovered it. And then the third one, they change the it all together. <laughs> Brett Lowther returns his own kick. Now that's what had me a bit worried in the stands, because if the riders, because they had to basically carry him off the field, yeah. So if the riders tied it up and it comes down to an extra point from you know thirty yards away, would have Lowther been okay to kick it? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure John Ryan could figure it out. <laughs> that that would have been a fascinating way to wrap up that game, but it, it wasn't to be with uh, the offensive play calling in Saskatchewan. Mm -hmm. But we've got a really interesting situation with quarterback in Calgary now. Bo Levi Mitchell, 16 of 25. He had had an interception. He did have the two touchdowns. But late in the game, that shoulder, and he admitted it after the game, that his shoulder has not felt right since his procedure. I don't think he needed... I don't think he needed to admit that to anybody. I think we all knew. So after the 2019 season, it hasn't felt right since then. Um, this year, he was kind of blamed on his broken leg that he had. But now, there's the issue with the shoulder. And Jake Mayer mm. comes in. Clearly, there was a miscommunication. He threw the ball into the middle of nowhere. And that did give Saskatchewan an opportunity to kind of mm. get back and tie this thing or take the lead. But that's going to be a situation to watch here because if if his shoulder's not good after a full year off of football, is it ever going to be good again? Probably not. I I don't if it, if it hasn't healed now or by now after eighteen months, basically, like yeah, I I I don't have a lot of hope for it. 
Yeah, because I, I mean, I don't want to be the sensationalist here, but Calgary's got some tough decisions to make here because there's a portion oh, of that 100%. fan base that wants to see Mayor play more. They do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll see what the rest of the season brings here. And, you know, Michael Riley kind of in the same situation, but he's been able to kind of fight through that elbow issue that uh, has been bothering him. We don't really know what happened in the year off, but both these guys clearly not at 100% and may never be again. No, well, I mean, you look at the way Mike Riley's played his entire career. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think I'm surprised, or I think I speak for a lot of people where I would say I'm surprised that it's his elbow that's the issue. <laughs> that it's not yeah. that it's not a back, it's not a neck, right? Yeah, um, yeah. It's not something like that. Uh, and I mean, we saw Jake Mayer start. We've, we've a small sample size yet, but, uh, you know, he's pretty good in those games. Uh, if if it's time, if, if Bo can't go, like, with with the weapons that they have, if everybody's healthy in Calgary, it's, it's not that hard for a guy to come in and just put the ball in the hands of his playmakers. Um, yeah, you, you that miscommunication on Saturday night, but I think a lot of that too is that he's coming into that game pretty much cold. Bo's yeah, been doing a lot of the first there. team, yeah. right? First team, Bo's been doing all the first team reps at practice and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's really easy to, to, you know, miss something and it, it's going to happen. He's young. It, it happens to Bo. It happens to Michael Riley. Yeah. Like yeah. It happens to every quarterback in this league. Uh, but I think, you know, if, if they decide to part ways with Bolivar Mitchell, I don't think that many people are going to be surprised. Yeah, there'll probably be some people that are upset, but surprised, I don't think so. So now we're here, and the Calgary stamp... Cal- Calgary's back in it. They are. Because, <laughs> well, let's look at their schedule. By the way, Dave Dickinson still has not lost to his brother, Craig. Uh, Craig is 0-3 in matchups with his brother so far and if that trend and he continues just got, he only has to play him three <laughs> times in a row like right on <laughs> exactly so saskatchewan's home to calgary saskatchewan still got a i mean calgary still got a couple games with bc this mm-hmm. is not an easy schedule for the stamp calgary but... calgary can still host the west semi and we <laughs> they thought they could. were done they could <laughs> and we thought they were completely done they could be tied with the riders after Actually, they could be ahead of the Riders after their third game because Calgary has an extra game in there. And see, this is why this was such a big game for the the yeah. Riders. That they 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 really needed it for some truth. They have they have to win two of three. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> this season, everything just feels so urgent mm-hmm. <laughs> with there only being fourteen games. So, what were the fantasy numbers looking like for Week Nine, Ty? Um, a couple surprises with uh, Caleb Evans, you know, being the leading quarterback. Everybody saw that coming yeah. uh, with Zach Kolaros right behind him and then Taylor Cornelius in third because that makes all of the sense in the world. <laughs> um, like, I'm just so done with fantasy football. Uh, <laughs> I don't blame William you, Powell led <laughs> William Powell led the way with for running backs at 21.6. James Wilder in second. Uh, Timothy Flanders, third, William Stanback, and then Andrew Harris round out that top five. Uh, long live the King. Uh, you know, 38 yeah. and a half points for Kenny Lawler. Wow. Ridiculous. Greg Ellenson at 25.6. Shy Ross, 23.5. Uh, Eugene Lewis, 20.2. Ryan Davis, 18.2. And Jake Winicky with that touchdown got him up to 17.1. 
All right. I had an 18-point loss to Safamod from the Piffles podcast. You and I tied. We tied 69.9 yeah. points and completely different yeah, lineups. Com- <laughs> completely different ways to get there. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Thank you, Elks defense. Yeah, thanks. Uh, let's move on to week 10 because we do have Wednesday night football again, so we'll briefly mention it. Uh, the Toronto Argonauts taking on the Ottawa Red Blacks. Ty, are the, are the Red Blacks the pushover we thought they were before last week against Edmonton? Uh, did Toronto win last week? No. So then Toronto's going to win this week. So I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know what the discussion is for. Are you are you serious? <laughs> what they haven't lost two in a row? They haven't won two in a row. They've just been going back and forth. Okay, sorry. Toronto was on bye, so I thought that was the joke. No, but uh, no, no, no. The week before, <laughs> or no, no. Toronto won. Toronto they won did. their last game. So yeah, Ottawa's <laughs> winning this week. Ottawa's going to be right back in the hunt in the East. Okay, if, if the Argos or if the Red Blacks go on a two game win streak here. Dude. Th- this East Division is an absolute mess. Kate, Ottawa fans should be as excited for Caleb, Caleb Evans as Elk fans were for Taylor Cornelius for no reason. <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> it was one game. <laughs> okay. It does look like, I'm guessing, McLeod Bethel Thompson's going to be the quarterback again. Mm-hmm. Um. He's been the one practicing. Nick Arbuckle is limited. He's got that hamstring issue from training camp that has creeped up again in the last couple of weeks, but yeah. it does look like they'll still be without. Cameron Judge has not practiced yet this week. Uh, Eric Rogers might uh, get back into it. There is a uh, there's a pairing that's kind of intriguing to me, and that might just be Chandler Worthy and McLeod Bethel-Thompson. Uh, yeah, and I... I wouldn't fault anybody for having that. Um, Chandler Worthy's been becoming a bigger part of that offense. Cloud Bethel Thompson and him have been together since what twenty seventeen. Getting cut off and on and <laughs> on and off the roster over and over again. But yeah, uh, that that could pay some real good dividends. So Ottawa has the worst rushing defense in the CFL, giving up one hundred and ten yards a game. Uh, they have the second worst pass defense, giving up 279 and a half yards a game. Uh, <laughs> they have the worst defense when it comes to their opposing quarterback's completion percentage, 76.2%. I mean, <laughs> it's it yeah. looks like it could be a juicy game for McLeod Bethel Thompson, but that uh, Ottawa defense, hey, you never know. Early in the season, they were performing well, and Last week against Edmonton, they were putting heat on the quarterback as well. Yeah. The, the only issue that could come up uh, with Ottawa, it, they have a couple guys that haven't practiced on that defensive side of the ball. Uh, I know it's early, but I mean, those those changes, I mean, they need everybody healthy on that defensive side. They have, they're on the field so much, it seems. Uh, but two, Toronto's injuries, I don't know. Like Cameron Judge not practicing. Uh, Drake Nevis is back. Like, it's John John White being limited in practice kind of worries me, but I mean they got DJ Foster. Like it could be a field day for this for this Toronto Argos offense, but the way that Ottawa has played, and I know it was Taylor Cornelius and you know it, second start and all that stuff, but I mean they have shown 
They did it to Trevor Harris. They have shown that they can, you know, keep a team yeah. in a game and, and shut down, uh, shut down a, a veteran quarterback. And I, I, I don't know what to do with this game, man. I really, <laughs> I really want to pick Ottawa. I really, really do, just because, it, like, it would just be awesome, and I know enough people would pick Toronto where it would really help my pick them. But it's, I can't do it, not yet. They're seven and a half point underdogs. Oh, they cover. Wow. And and then they play Thanksgiving Monday against Montreal. So Yeah. <laughs> this is this is uh, I think an absolutely fascinating game. Are you gonna be touching uh Caleb Evans at all with your fantasy lineup? Well, does he get credit for two games? I don't think he will. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see what they, they, they did that. They did that before. They let two games count. Yeah, but I mean, they were astronomical prices. Oh, okay. So uh, keep I think an that eye was twenty six. Yeah, it was twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen. We we went through this. I think it was Ottawa played. You know, two games in a week, and you you could get both games. But like the quarterback, who would have been quarterbacking would have been Trevor Harris. Uh, he was more expensive than Mike Riley, and Mike Riley was maxed out. Well, keep an eye on that because Caleb Evans went 15 of 22, 191 yards, yeah. three touchdowns. He had the rushing as well. He added almost six yards to his point total only through rushing, and that was against Edmonton's defense. I mm-hmm. I, I still think Edmonton's defense is competent. <laughs> so, <laughs> compared... Talking about the Elks, not the Oilers. Yeah. <laughs> Toronto's hey, I might just pick Ottawa here. Lock it in, Ty. Who are you picking? I'm going to go with Ottawa. In Toronto. Yeah. Wednesday night football. Yeah. There we go. Like yeah, I that this yeah we should have this every week. <laughs> this is uh well I guess the Argos got to play Thanksgiving Monday in Hamilton mm-hmm. as well, so it's not an easy stretch for them either <laughs> and, and not the last strange stretch of the cfl nope. season you just got to ask the edmonton elks <laughs> <laughs> i love that maniacal laugh oh you you know i love <laughs> suffering like not my own but other people's This episode of To and Out is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta. They offer internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. Winter is coming, and energy usage for all Albertans will be increasing. So now's a great time if you want to look at your utility bill and ensure that they're on the best plan. Albertans have a choice. To who they pay their utility bills to and Park Power is happy to provide free no obligation comparisons if you decide to switch providers it's really easy and you can feel good knowing you are supporting a local business and helping to give back to our communities with your utilities bills. Learn more at parkpower.ca Alright we'll be back on Thursday we'll talk about that Arcos and Red Blacks game and then get you set for Thanksgiving in Canada Don't think we're crazy, American friends. (laughs) Rate, review, and subscribe (laughs) on your favorite podcatcher, and we'll talk to you in a few days. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.